folks, and welcome back to Inspire AD with another exciting episode of Inspire AD! <laughs> yeah, man, hey guys, welcome back. It's been a while. You spent the last two weeks listening to me grill Dan the Man and vice versa. I hope it was as fruitful for you as it was for us! And we are back with another proper episode dedicating uh, ourselves to re, uh, recalling all the trials, tribulations, ripping off the scabs uh, uh, from our former events and just, just really getting our hands dirty with our own history. Um, God damn, I'm still reeling from the last episode that we actually did before our little break. The office explodes. The office explodes. Right, right, right. But uh, so when when um, when last you 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 joined uh, your fearless heroes, they had uh, vacated the Austin Sports Center in quite the explosive fashion. We had a, a mega event that didn't quite go the way that we all thought it would. And, and then we're still experiencing some of the fallout from it, too, actually, yeah. when you really think about it. Um, just, I mean, I know it's impacted certain people who are involved with certain angles. And, uh, but from there, we were actually heading back to AFS Cinema, formerly the Marquesa Hall and Theater. A lot of things uh, just had changed in that space. But one thing was undeniable. Whenever we are in that space, we make magic. Just a cool feel. It's just got a cool feel, cool vibe, good look, translates well on film. And boy, we were excited to basically run our next batch of dates for the, the next year out of out of that building. And this was also a first time in our history where we actually got our dates pretty much in advance. Yep. Most of the time, we were always scrambling to make the cards happen. We would have dream cards that we wanted, but we wouldn't get our date until like a month out. And then we don't we'd have to hit the ground running. But also, you know, people's people's dance cards fill up pretty fucking fast yeah. in the business and so sometimes you don't get what you want but we've always been the kind of guys that roll with the punches however this next spate of shows i think yeah. were really tre tremendous you remember this was the cool we were able to roll out like the marvel style phase yeah of all the shows yeah we we which was pretty cool yeah we had the dates and the titles and all that shit and we put out a big old a big old flyer that said this these are the the shows the titles the dates all that stuff so people could kind of uh respond in advance and block it off and so that was great even yeah. talent when you when talent see that stuff they'll generally go oh, i'm gonna fucking put this shit in my calendar yeah. everyone could get excited for ant-man 3 you know so um you want to dive into some more questions yeah uh yeah i know you wanted to talk quite about a backlog and, uh, Let's do that. Let's do that. And, and then, yeah, there's a topic de jour that I'd like to get into. Um, you want to go or you want me to pull some up here? Well, I guess the one thing I'd really like to talk about that surprised me is that I recently heard that um, you heard from Mike Dell, former first, actually, first Inspire Pro champion, actually. Um, and that surprised me because I, I guess I don't really think that a lot of people in the business really listen to this show. I, I, I kind of presume I, that a lot of people don't in the business don't give a shit, especially about anything that I might have to say. Um, I, I think you're wrong. Yeah. I think there's there's quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of the boys listening. Um, so yeah, Mike's Mike's question was, what do we mean by there were cracks in the Mike Dell title reign? Um, you know, Mike felt that he had given and performed uh in some great matches 
and what we meant by that. So, um, you want you want to take it, or you want me to go? Well, I think my into, I think I think we may have was? I think we may have um, different ideas about his run. I personally felt like his run was only marred by his outro, um, but for the most part, I felt like he he. From the first show, he did things differently and he did them great. But I also feel like there's a part of of Dell that's really um, he's comfortable doing what Mike does. Yeah. And I think he is not necessarily always interested in doing different things or working with different people or trying different formulas. I think he is very much kind of set in a certain way of doing things and a certain style of storytelling. And that's not to disparage him, but I don't think it necessarily fit us. My personal opinion though, was that uh, uh, like all of his defenses were great. I felt like uh, the last match with Matt was phenomenal. Uh, I felt like his story as a champion was good and I wanted to circle back around to it, but there was always that trepidation of what would happen if we even endeavored to put the belt on him again because of what had occurred initially, you know, where I kind of felt like he held us up a little bit. And I just, I didn't really feel like the creative process was something that I needed to, you know, man, like we're paying for the fucking building. We're not making a dime. You know, I just, I want to just tell the stories that I want to tell and I'm not out to bury anybody or make anybody look bad. And I think so many people in the business are so fucking defensive about just, who you know how they're going to be presented uh, i have enough foresight to know that i'm not going to bury somebody because they're better strong than they are looking feeble you yeah. know i think and i think matt was I, I, i'm sorry mike was nervous about that a little bit yeah. you know it uh, it may have been me that made made the comment so what i can uh what i can say is there there's a mike dell match right um raven used to talk about how he would study people so that he could have, if he wrestled Terry Bam Bam Gordy, he could have the best Terry Bam Bam Gordy match he could with with Terry, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Mike approaches a, a little bit different. He's found a formula that works, and he's very good at executing that formula. But it, for the most part, he's trying to to get to that base formula. Um, and when we had, you know, Davy Vega and Matthew Palmer and um, you know Andy Dalton taking off working a very different style and that that became kind of the base of what we were but the title wasn't showcasing that style that was sort of what i i meant yeah 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 i mean like but i think like the run his run actually in his matches and the stories that he told were all fairly strong because they were they they still were serviceably and definitively Mike Dell, you know, but, but I, I, I just felt as the product morphed and we wanted him to try different or new things. That's the thing is I never looked at Mike and said, Oh, he can't do this. I was always like, Oh man, I can't wait to see Mike do this different thing. Yeah. But I don't think that that's what he wanted, but yeah, I don't, I don't really think there were any, any cracks in, in the surface of, of the title reign. I just didn't like the way that, um, he wasn't inflexible with us. Uh, at the end of it, and um, just him kind of wanting to be in a safe space within the company didn't really service the company. It provided something that I think a certain amount of fans really wanted to see and were familiar with and liked, and I don't think any of it was bad, but it certainly didn't do anything that, in my opinion, fed into what we ultimately saw for the rest of the company. My idea was to have Mike Dell in Inspire, not just Mike Dell doing Mike Dell 
uh, on some place on the card that was not relevant. You yeah. know, I'm not not to say that anything he did wasn't relevant. It's just sometimes I think the Carson and Mike and and Mike feud that we kind of did it felt very much like its own thing, and it didn't really in, there was no point for it to intersect with anything. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, where whereas we we really were especially in the early days world building yeah right where you know we we like these moments these you know i'm gonna uh, call it kind of what it is these ecw moments where the entire universe would intersect yeah you know and you you would get these cool interactions um was really something we were trying to build i really wanted i mean i really had these grand designs for you know mike to have these these long-term feuds that didn't necessarily build lead to title reigns or stuff like that i i i loved the idea of mike and steve-o having a blood feud you know there were things like that that i really wanted to do that spanned several shows you know but i i felt like I felt like he was comfortable doing just one thing and one thing only, and I wanted to see Mike branch out. So, yeah, I mean, that's no no slight to Mike. I think Mike is a great talent, and I think I need to really emphasize, hey, Mike, I had a, I had a lot of faith in you, and I always thought everything you did for us was great. But, man, I wish we could have done some more stuff that was really wild. Just not a great singer. Horrible singer. <laughs> He did dress up like Michael Myers for us, though. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. So I know one thing you wanted to actually talk about uh, was uh, I think commentary has been yes. on your mind with all these current these current like Reddit threads regarding <laughs> the changeover of uh, of of team of, of commentary teams right now in the business. This is something that's been kind of on your mind. Yeah, well, especially on the independent level, right? You get um, you get these uh, guys that you know, or maybe. They're not storytellers per se. Um, I mean, I'm I'm gonna name him because he he's a guy that I've met and was a nice enough guy. But Kevin Gill has caught a ton of flack for the way that he uh, he does commentary, which is is basically your buddy in the room. You know, like uh, here here's the guy sitting on the couch having a beer, enjoying the wrestling with you. You know, maybe he's um. Maybe he's got a few too many in him cracking jokes. Um, and the, the issue there is that it really kind of takes away from what's happening in the ring. Um, and it distracts from it. And there's a, I think there's a balance. It's not so much that, you know, it has to always be 100% sports style broadcast or it, it you, you can't just be the buddy on the couch. There has to be a middle ground um, when you do this stuff. And what really drives home how important this position is. Because a great match can completely be shit on by the commentary. Oh, yeah. Um, um, I, and I can't think of the guy's name, but the guy from XCW, um, Matt. Uh, Matt Shannon was one. It was the two Matts, Matt Shannon and Matt Avery. You know, Matt Avery said at one point, you know, like, hey, if you want to be a heel and fucking be a dick to me, that's cool. When your match comes on, I'm just going to call you an idiot, you know, and I'm going to fucking bury your ass. Yeah. Which is not the thing to do either, but that's the power of that position, right? <clears throat> and it's one of these things, it's it's, it's almost like, a, for a lot of people, it seems to be a last thought. But when we put this company together, um, it was one of the most... Uh, important things that we did was figure out who was going to be that driving voice. Yeah. And w when we, um, Eamon had not done it before, but 
had worked on on podcast, you know, had worked on articulating wrestling, and you know, from my discussion with him, understood the idea of what needed to happen. So we had that driver, and. I'm not, I think for a lot of companies, it seems to just be an afterthought. Okay, we put this card together, we've got the ring, and oh shit. Oh, hey, you two, jump on here and, and call this match so that we have commentary. Yeah, a couple of a couple of yokels in their jorts just kind of like talking nonsense. I, I love the idea of Eamon because I, I know that this was something that he probably kind of had a dream of doing. Um, he wanted to be a part of wrestling. And I think we've really seen him flourish. I also feel like he brings a unique quality to it. Uh, I love listening to call, call matches. I'm always interested to, to hear what his responses are because he's very genuinely invested in the product. There's something also kind of, um, uh, he reminds me of Joey, you know? Oh yeah. 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 Um, Joey styles. He just, he, he, there's something about his enthusiasm, <clears throat> but also he is, um, he's learned I think that was like one of the main things that made me kind of start to really sour on Stroud was how shitty he was toward Eamon. But Eamon, I think, has really come into his own, man. Yeah. He's and, and I think um, he's always been the base too. Yeah, like we've moved the pieces around him, like you know. But he's he's the guy. He's the driver. Yeah, he's There's the driver. Other people in the car from time to time, but he he's driving and and um, takes the time to to understand where the trip is going. He also does this miraculous thing where he isn't wrestling. He isn't referencing wrestling as a whole. He doesn't like say that somebody is a wannabe something from some other bigger company. You know, I've seen uh, commentators do shit like that before at other companies and even in ours. And it just drives me up the fucking wall. It's like, don't compare what we're doing to WWE. Please just treat like this company, like it's its own universe. And it's the biggest fucking thing in the world. I never had to say that to Eamon. He always treated Inspire like it was the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. So he's he's, he's just great, God man. damn it, we are. What do you mean? Yeah, you keep telling yourself that, buddy. <laughs> anyway, let's go right into War O'Clock High. One of my favorite event names, actually, too. Uh, I think I was largely inspired by a film called um, 315 O'Clock. Um, which uh, is about high school drama, high school violence. Uh, I love. I was really inspired too by the, the box art of the VHS for this. But this is that's where that this is where the title came from. I'd really love to do Return to War O'Clock High at some point. Maybe we'll do that <laughs> in the maybe next. That's, maybe that's on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this man, this card from start to finish, I think is probably in my top three favorite Inspire events of all time. Um, it. Can I tell you something about this show? Sure. Runs fucking crisp. Yeah. It's nice. It's the pace on this is fucking amazing. Yeah. So let's dive into it, man. I, I mean, I think this opener is a uh, is is classic Inspire. Yeah. So this, of course, is the Ricky Starks returning to the AFS cinema, um, where his you know most of his biggest moments for us happened originally. Um, taking on Ryan Davidson. So this is an interesting match because um, initially I think there was some some caution about the pairing and also putting this on first. And uh, it seemed like everybody was kind of, they had this cloud of skepticism, but I think uh, they were imbued by the spirit of the room and imbued by the, the just the, 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 the radical response from the crowd. These guys tear the fucking house down with this match. And this is, to me, essential Inspire Pro uh, uh, first match. Like, you know, all all 
you know, all killer, no filler, you know. By the way, thanks for taking that name, guys, over there at Heavy Metal. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, shit was on our shirts, for God damn, <laughs> for fucking sake. Um, anyway, uh, no, this this match is phenomenal, and I think that this blew a lot of people away. I, I think that, I remember the boys in the back really watching it and just going, holy shit. Um, but this was, I think, when we all realized that Ricky was really back on another level. Yeah. So this is, these are two TV-ready guys, right? Um, and I, I heard recently, oh fuck, I'll, I'll shout them out. The Voices of Wrestling podcast, you know. Sorry, I'm not going to act like we're the only thing in the world. <laughs> As I break our own rule. Um, mentioned, you know, when they, when they were, you know, before the indies really blew up and you would see like a random TV guy show up on a, an indie show. Yeah. You'd have like Marty Jannetty show up. And it, it would just be like their gear looked different and they moved different and they did things different. Um, I think having these two guys, it's almost like the same thing, right? Two TV ready guys in that opener just sets that tone. Um, and I think we have quite a few guys like that, right? But to have that match and to them treat it like that match really added a certain intensity that just set the bar so high for the show. Yeah. Just, just the quality of this match is incredible. In fact, if we have a match that we pair up with this show, I think I think this is one of the ones. This is a contender. Um, but I, I think we always kind of wanted to go back and do some more stuff with Ryan and Ricky because their chemistry here is just phenomenal. And even, I think, I remember Ricky. This is one of my favorite Ricky moments. It was Ricky. Ricky was real like, oh, I don't know, oh, first, uh, oh, oh. he was like kind of like, kind of like moaning and then after the match I saw him backstage and he's like oh see I told you that'd be fucking amazing <laughs> <laughs> I was just you son of a bitch um, but no that this this was just really great because uh, uh, there was just so much kind of kvetching to start with and then it just it just took off like a rocket man um, so yeah great match great starter epitomizes everything that you want at the start of the show and the crowd was just hot for it yeah um I know this is the last thing you want to do because we buried this last show, but let's take a trip back to Austin Sports Center. Actually, I was intending to do just that because I know we have the folks. <laughs> <laughs> I have, we have the new movement folks um, involved in the next match, yeah. and we kind of neglected to, <laughs> to mention a really massive amount of drama that yeah. occurred. No, I, I know there wasn't um, much heavy stuff on the last <laughs> podcast. Yeah, this kind of got got kind of got yeah. lost in the mix. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about why Chris Drew is no longer <laughs> in the company. And you know what, man? I'm like a guy who's like at this point, like. It, I'm, we're so late in the game here, man. I'm tired. I don't have time to fucking sugarcoat things. But basically, Chris True got got popped for um, conduct that was less than uh, scrupulous yeah. at the new movement. Let's just say he kind of abused his point of power. He, um, I, I think he did. Um, I do I've, too. I've heard enough to, to, yeah. to kind of formulate an opinion. Uh, there was also a, a new movement was franchised out. Too, it was there was another New Orleans building too. That was the original. Austin. Okay, it was actually it was, okay. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really give a fuck. Um, <laughs> I just know there were two of them. You know, yeah. like I don't, I don't, I don't care what McDonald's came first. <laughs> That's really mean sounding. I'm sorry, guys, if you were involved and you loved it and you're hearing. I'm just tired. I'm tired, guys. You got to understand that. Like, I spend most of my day getting my head stomped on by little children and trying yeah. to figure out how I'm going to keep my house. <laughs> it's it's rough. And here I am talking about this shit. And I just don't have 
time to be or energy to be ginger toward things that really brought me a lot of stress and ate <laughs> at my soul, for no you know, reason. for no reason. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at the at the at the new movement theater in New Orleans, there had been quite a bit of talk about sexual misconduct occurring, and at the same time, there was talk about um, I think Chris trying to subvert it, uh, gaslighting the victims involved, but also there was talk about. Chris kind of uh, manipulating and using his power to uh, be involved with people physically at the Austin New Movement Theater. And there was leading... Okay, the day of Ecstasy Gold 5. While it was going on. While it was going on. And Chris was there. Uh, Was he there? He was was late. Yeah, he was late. He showed up for his shit and then got the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah, but there was a... There was like this weird Skype type meeting where they were discussing the future of the new movement and the future of Chris True. So it was really heavy and we're sitting there and we don't really know what the fuck is going on because these allegations, well, like our heads are up our ass. We don't really know what's going on in the comedy community, you know, but I'm starting to get rumblings (laughs) and I'm hearing things from, from certain people involved with our company that, Hey man, this is going on. It's, you know, not Stroud part two, but it's, there's, there's definitely something that we need to be concerned about. And Chris shows up and then I, I, I think they they voted to kind of remove him from the board or some shit like that. I don't really they, remember what happened. We got the message like after that show. Yeah. Like not like yeah. after that show the next week, but like we're cleaning up the fucking place and you're like, "Hey dude, this is what's going on." Yeah. And so Chris isn't here for this. This is it. This is this is pretty much Dan the Man's you know, yeah. So this is pretty much Dan the man uh, sliding into the driver's seat. And to be frank with you, I think Dan did a phenomenal job. Knocked, the promo is great. Cause oh my we, god, we had done the last time we were in the building, done the Chris True is a ghost thing, right? Yeah. So he cuts the promo, and it's long. It's winding. It's a long journey. Yes. And he cuts the promo. And he's like, oh, you know, Chris got tested, and we found no bone marrow. We found no this. <laughs> we found no that. And we tried to get him to respond, and it's been, uh, you know, three weeks now. He hasn't responded to our texts or our calls. He's ghosting us. He's ghosting us, folks. <laughs> and uh, so he, he puts a phone sign and somebody moans. And he's like, what I'm trying to say is Chris True's gone. <laughs> I'm like, it's, the comedic timing is just very good. Oh, man. No, Dan Dan killed it. But, okay, let's talk about this match. Dude, this match is fucking crazy. Speaking of fuck. Yeah. Right? So this is the start of... The friends under corporate contract. Yeah. So. Yes, friends <laughs> under corporate contract. And another thing that kind of yeah. faded into the ether. But here we have Andy Dalton, Cody Lane, and Masada. Masada returning to makeup um, for stuff. <laughs> was this the was this the dreaded occasion where Masada kind of said some things at yes. the bar that he? Okay, yes. we'll get into that in a bit. So, Andy Dalton, Cody Lane, Masada. Was this tornado? Yeah, yeah no, this, this was this is a- ECW FMW style. Absolutely ape shit, right? Against Ashton Jacobs, T Ray, and we got to talk a little bit about Rob Barnes. Rob yeah. Barnes was in uh, our battle royal at the previous show. Was kind of just wallpaper in that match, but in this instance is on fucking fire. <laughs> it comes alive. Yeah, I think. Where did this guy come from? Yeah, we're just we like blown away. He's doing that shit where he's like using his boot to hit people yeah. and shit. He's like he is fucking phenomenal here, and um. This match is just bonkers chaos. It, it, it compared to the the other match, which was classic hard hitting, just Ricky selling his ass off and proving that he is, I will say without a doubt, the best seller right now in all of independent wrestling. Um, 
and you saw him doing that there uh, from this great technical match that's still hard hitting and brawly to this complete balls to the wall hardcore chaos match the energy is just wild here and uh this is this is a really fun match this is one of my favorite matches that uh this might have been my favorite match on the card weirdly enough i don't know why i think it's because i was just sitting there like a teenager like a little kid just going oh my god this is fucking this is great um it but it brought me back to brought me back to my love for ecw a bit i think um and then from there this is just another way that I feel like the card is kind of perfect. We have this match with Ethan, Ethan Price and Gino, and Ethan is being managed at this point by Roxy. And we, I think, I think this is where we debuted the big strong boy shirt. Yeah. Um, this is a big deal. This, this, uh, this match. Yeah. And there's little um, subtleties in this. That yeah. I don't know. We're happy accents or we were already building towards this. No, because I think the idea comes after this. But there's a lot of little interactions between Gino and Roxy that are going to help set up stuff going forward in the future that we do. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a match where Ethan actually kind of comes into his own and has this moment where he gets this win. It, it Honestly, I really wish we'd... I wish Gino would come off differently at the last show because yeah. it truly did impact this. That's why people need to be more conscientious, I guess, when they're doing what they're doing. What? Make sure you don't just leave the guy on the floor and just kind of like... Yeah, no pulse, you know, because Gene, um, Gino again kind of comes off with like the other guy, yeah, you know, because the crowd's big time behind Ethan. Gino's able to get more of his spots in, yeah, but the momentum's not there, no. And, but but Ethan still comes out off looking like a million bucks here, and yeah. people are people are excited to see that. Oh, Ethan is building towards something. Ethan gets a win. Ethan yeah. is big strong boy, and because people people really loved him, man. They yeah. were and and and. His, his momentum really begins here. Yeah. You know? Well, well, think about it too, right? This is, is Ethan's first big win, and it's it's momentous. But And I'm going to go do the fucking old Eddie Graham thing where like, oh, brother, I wish you would have hit just one more suplex. But yeah. if, if not to pile on, because Steve, you may be listening, but if we had really built Gino as even with Steve and Steve squeaking by him, it would have elevated Steve, and this Gino. means even more. Right? Yeah. So not to harp on it because it yeah. was still good, but it's still your fault though for making them drag that shit out though. I was um, trying. That's goddamn you, you that, fucked that up. That was the work. I you was trying up. to okay. fucking all right skirt around. Them. I love you, Bis, but distract everybody I love you, from Bis. the fact that I was trying to buy time. Yeah, whatever. Let's go back. Oh, you know, but why were you trying to buy time? Because I fucked up. Calm because down. no, well, you were trying to buy time for who? Masada. Let's go back to what happened. Oh, you want to go to now? Now go. <laughs> Why not, man? Um, how to dropped, you know, homosexual slurs in the lobby. Look, the thing, yeah, that's the thing. Um, yeah, Masada, Masada being Masada, you know, he tends to use some, some problematic language, and the, you know, the blue bloods at um, AFS are very conscientious, yeah, uh, politically, socially, and we had Masada roll out to the bar. And start saying faggot a bunch, and that just didn't do. Yeah, <laughs> that, and and I felt I felt bad because well, actually this was the last time we saw Masada in the company. Yeah, and the real reason we couldn't have him back was because he had so kind of enraged the management of the building. Yeah, and and so we 
there were a few times where we had to say goodbye to some folks yeah. at this at this at the, at the venue because we had people go to the bar and act a fool. Yeah. And this was one of those occasions, which was kind of it was really a bummer because I love working with, with Masada, but um, but I mean, I mean our, our crowd too. You can't. You can't be doing that. No, That's we've really acceptable. we've really cultivated a crowd that does not tolerate uh, uh, any sort of uh, hateful speech, no matter how I don't know, no matter no matter how you're using it, it's just not permissible in this day and age. And um, yeah, it was it was a shame. But anyway, moving right along, I'm gonna have to kind of lean on you for this. But we had Jordan Lennox, uh, hot out of the cage, going yeah. after the Inspire Pro title, which was that was that was what was at stake in that cage match was an opportunity to go after Tempo's title, and this is a this is an interesting match, yeah. it, and it really shows a re- I, I, the one thing that stands out to me is that Tempo actually shows a really vicious streak here. Yeah, so I'm gonna go back to a, a question that I have um, that ties into this match. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually throw it right back at you. So what was the thought process be- behind turning Tempo heel before his title run? And was there ever a thought of a babyface title run for, for Tempo? A lot of what you see Tempo doing here is more of a cold-blooded Shades of Grey character rather than an outright heel. But he also is vicious enough to just want to dominate. He, that's what he's really trying to do here. And you see him really going after Jordan here. Uh, I think I think this was his last match before he went off to get his shoulder worked on. And I think this was supposed to be kind of like this was a worked there's yeah. a worked injury here. Yeah. We're and still, yeah, we definitely play into that. I think it's important, right? It, if we had gone back to just um, high energy tempo, right? Yeah. It, it's it's full circle and it's a move backwards, right? When you do see the shift, it's it's a shift in line with what the edge that you've already given him by turning heel, right? Yeah. So the match here, um, Tempo wins with a submission hold on the arm. I believe it's a double wrist lock or a Kimura. Um, and he taps out. But then after the match, Tempo stays on the arm, mm-hmm. right? And the referee has to threaten to disqualify him. He finally releases it. <clears throat> then he comes back. Uh, slams Jordan Lennox into the the post. He comes back again, attacks him again. So Jordan's going to have to take some time off to to get his surgery. I believe it was on his shoulder, even right. Yeah. Um. So we have this happy deal where we know that we've gotten to the end of the story with the cage match, and we know that he's going to have to take some time off, and we want to really give Tempo this edge so it all marries together very nicely. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great moment. I loved that. I loved the new intense tempo that's emerging. So like we go from Ricky and Ryan, which is on fire. Then we go to the chaos of Andy Dalton and his team against you know the new the new, uh, uh, friends under corporate contract, which is just chaos. And then we have Ethan's uh, uh, Ethan's entrance into a momentum with this happy fan moment. And then we go into tempo and Jordan, and it's like this to me is just like it's like just boom, 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 boom. You know, it's relentless. Uh, and up next, we have <clears throat> Matthew Palmer going up against Massive. Um, and this, yeah. this is an interesting thing. So a lot of a few people took a few people have kind of criticized us about this. And um, the thing. So so like Matt comes out and he's still kind of like riding this like whole kind of bigoted heel thing. But I think that there's something to it where you see Matt really isn't being an actual racist he's just trying to hurt people remember the promo yeah the promo after this the the 
backstage recorded promo is fucking chill inducing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, I'm going to have you talk about that in a minute. But so Matt asks what going into this match against Massive, he asks Thunder Rosa and he asks Massive what he can really do as a heel to really piss off the, you know, the crowd, the Mexican-American portion of our audience. And they say, go out and throw tortillas at them. Yeah, it's a lucha thing. It's a lucha thing. Yeah. It's something that, you know, uh, particularly Anglo people go down in south of the border and they do it. And it's like, it's tradition, but it's heel. It's like classic healing. Um, but he goes out. The, here's the fucked up part is that Matt goes out and starts throwing tortillas into the crowd. And there are like fucking Mexican people in the audience going, orale, vato, just grabbing these tortillas and eating them. Yes. And people don't get fucking mad at him. It's, yeah. it's really funny. Like Matt has this thing where sometimes he can try to do things to make you mad or hate him, but they backfire this was an instance where he was doing something that was clearly designed to be really offensive but the crowd was just stoked like oh fuck yeah tortillas so it didn't really work like we thought it would Uh, and i mean if they follow lucha libre it may have been like they know the bit right it's like you know like the guy that says if you guys don't be quiet i'm i'm leaving you know as the classic fucking like 80s American heel, right? Like, yeah. There, there's a certain... He almost paid homage to the Lucha tradition, you know, in a weird way. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but this was... Um, Massive looked a lot better here. He did look a lot better here. This was actually a really good match. A lot of people really had really latched on to Massive at this point, uh, which surprised me. He, he had a he has a weird charisma. Too, yeah, he does. Right? Yeah, I mean he's kind of got this this baby faced look to him yeah. that makes him endearing, <clears throat> and I think that people were more eager to kind of latch on to him giving a heel their comeuppance. I kind of yeah. started to kind of understand his dynamic and how we could use him a little bit better. Um, but this this match ends with DQ, yeah, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Okay, yeah, Palmer. Um, I think it's a nut shot. <laughs> yeah, right? like, yeah. Um, it, it, he's fighting a giant. Yeah. Know? So it just basically gets to a point where he, yeah. Talk about the promo backstage a bit. Uh, yeah, this so, is this was some good work. So this is where he really starts to explain it. That okay, look, because Roxy storms out, right? And he finally comes back and he finds Roxy and Roxy's like, this is unacceptable. It has to stop. And this is where he explains that it's part of the psychology. The other thing is that in his matches, he was working this into the psychology of the matches as well. So that he's telling Roxy, I'm doing these things to enrage my opponent so that they try to fight me instead of beat me in a wrestling match. Which is is such it, it's a huge part of professional wrestling <clears throat> that never gets explained. I'm going to tie back in the commentary. Matt, Matt is the provocateur yeah. here, and, and the psychology of the match. If you go back and watch this, is that he's pissed Massive off, and Massive is now the charging bull, and and Matt's trying to use that to take advantage to to get a a better position. It's pretty brilliant. It, it's this small subtle stuff that we. We mark, we geek out to. Yeah. Because right? it's, you know, a lot of people like look at wrestling as being this kind of goof, and it's not. When wrestling's really good, good wrestling, good wrestling is really psychologically grounded and really uh, fundamental uh, ideas of like fighting science in a way. Yeah. You yes. know, it's it, it all tells a story. Like good matches tell a story. It's not just people beating the shit out of each other, you know. But yeah, what, what Matt had done is essentially, like I said, he became the provocateur. He was causing people to lose their cool. And again, we go back to Rocky Three, yeah. where um, 
Rocky just has this guy punch him, punching out. He's just punching himself out. Like he's just spinning his wheels because he's fucking enraged. He loses his cool. So Matt's making people lose their cool, and then he just comes in and kind of picks the bones. Yeah. And in in the promo, Roxy basically goes, "Well, I'm not comfortable with people not liking you." And Palmer says the line that explains the character to a T. I've been doing this for 11 years. I don't give a shit if anyone likes me. I just want to win, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, Brilliant. Which, if, you know, if things had worked out and we would have been able to do the Ivory Robin Palmer match, we could, we could have tied into that to a T. Yeah. Um, That's another thing that we kind of neglected to mention when we were yelling at each other <laughs> at the, on, during the last we, the, the episode a few episodes ago, was that this was really supposed to be this storyline that kind of built toward Matthew Palmer getting his comeuppance and having a woman of color confront him and be like, how fucking dare you? And her basically taking him to task. It was supposed to build toward Ivory Robin trouncing Matt and making him kind of eat the shirt. You know? Yeah, we we got heated, but that was the idea was to to give you if you were offended by the t-shirt the the long term idea was to give you somebody to relate to that was then going to turn around and give this asshole his com- comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we didn't make it for you yeah. know, and we've already Ivory Ivory was you know Ivory became unavailable and you know the reaction to the angle ultimately forced us. I mean I think eventually we'll get to it, but we we had you know fed heat <laughs> we actually did we had people, yeah, we, we were it. we were contacted indirectly and and and. Yeah, we basically, basically we got the, if this doesn't change, a cease and desist is on its way. You know? Yeah. So we got the, the cease and desist is coming phone call. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, this this that was, a, again, another great moment. Just And also just we're in the building. It's hot. It's yeah. not technically, not literally hot, but like the crowd is crowd's just hot. hot. crowd is hot, man. And then from here we go into a huge match for us and for Steve-O. We got to talk about something else that happened oh, okay. the day before this show. Okay. Do you remember this? I don't know if I do. Oh, I'm going to get you. We may scream at each other again. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> do you remember who ran this show, this building the day before our show? Oh, fuck. <laughs> so, the Friday, the Friday before our show, Wrestle Circus is running. We're splitting. Are we splitting fights with anybody? I don't think so, actually. No. So we're not even getting the advantage of that. Oh, Kylie Ray, because she's in Chicago yeah. at this point, but we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> Russell Circus has Emos Austin pull out from hosting their show uh, the day before their show. I think their price tag inflated yeah. or something like that. Um, I don't think it was Emos Austin. I think. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. there was a sports center that they were supposed to run out of after the emos debacle. Uh, Wrestle Circus just continually fucking they like building issues. They had building issues, yeah. And so emos pulls out because emos uh, greatly overvalues itself. Um, I think it's so funny because nobody looks at that building like it's the old emos. It's just it's a not. name now. <laughs> yeah, it's not. So and, you know, nobody goes, "Oh God, go good, good to all the fucking legacy." You know? Max, I went and I, I saw a really good concert at Antones last night. Yeah, I mean, it's just the history in that building. Let me tell you, brother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good lord. So anyway, yeah, I, this is my recollection is that they. They they so they lost the emos building and then they were put into this other building and um, this is where. Um, that dickhead that Ke- Kevin, what's his face, uh, 
In spite of the fact, yeah, yeah you know who I'm talking about—the guy that the guy that uh, was working with he's Russell no Circus. gentleman. You know, I know that. No, no, he's not. Um, Kevin Conroy or whatever yeah, the fuck yeah, his name is. yeah, Con- the Condren or whatever. Big Daddy or whatever. I don't give, a, I don't give a, f- I don't give a fuck what his name is. He doesn't even deserve to. Cam have Cole's it. a better vapor. Yeah. I'll tell you. That. Yes, he is. Anyway, let me let me get a let me get ahead on this. So they they move into this other building, which is kind of like a sports center type building, and it's down south. And the manager has the owner find out that they're doing a wrestling show there, and flips out immediately and of course kevin takes to social media immediately to shake his fist at the wrestling product here in austin and say we're going to rebuild the reputation of good wrestling and he basically besmirches us without (laughs) naming us which is ironic because we're the people that basically come to their fucking rescue and hook them up like tj hooks them up with the folks i was a little bit cautious about this i was kind of was it tj or was it me it was you know what it was you no it it was you it was me yeah Um, then i was mad at you yeah and then i wasn't mad at you so i i i was going in for a haircut yeah and before i go in i was like hey this is what's going on do you think um afs is open and i'm literally in line to get my fucking haircut right and uh instead of like punting to you or tj which probably you would have been the smarter choice here i go I don't know, man. I don't know if they have anything going on or not. He's like, can I call them? I was like, sure. (laughs) So... No, I did have some hand in this. I actually did help broker this. Did you broker? I it? did help, but like you know, they I contacted them. I let them know what was going on, and then Al contacted them, and and the 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 person who was the event handler was like, yeah, we're talking to them. We'll we'll figure this out. And I basically went to bat for them and said, yeah, these people are good people. They're just being screwed up uh, out of their, their business. And they'll bring a lot of commerce and people will drink and you know, it'll be good for you. That's what I think it was. So I was like, yeah, go ahead and call them. And didn't, didn't they call you to ask who they were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I go in, I, I get, and I get done with my haircut and I have all these messages and it's you going, what the fuck, Wrestle Circus is calling our building. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I told Wrestle Circus to call it. Like, click. Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, I told him to call our building. Right. A lot of people were actually more offended for us on our behalf, but really there was no like there was no animosity here. Yeah. It wasn't like the case when the other company showed up and started trying to run the yeah. building. The, the first of all, like I was able to like go like, hey man, just please respect the space. Yep. You know, I could, and Al would listen. You know what I mean? So I felt like it was brothers really doing other brothers a solid. Yep. And it, it, I think in a lot of ways it made the community feel really good because people were like, God damn, look at these guys working together and doing this business together. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like it was with ACW. Yeah. It made us actually look really good too. Cause it showed that we weren't like, we weren't bitter or, or anything like that. And it honestly, it kind of made the events feel special because it was like back to back nights, you know. Yeah. And yeah. what was cool was they had to rent chairs and tables and all that stuff and they couldn't return them on Sunday anyway. Mm-hmm. So they were like, "Look, let's just get them for an extra day and you guys well, at least it's a cost you guys don't have to incur." Yeah. <laughs> so and now I look like a dick a little bit. Um <laughs> some some backstory. So Joey Janela had a weird feud with Wrestle Circus at this time, right? Yeah. Because they, they had put out the GoFundMe to start their own building, and he kind of shit all over that. So anyway, he's like, hey, can I use the chairs? I'm like, yeah, man, go ahead. Because <laughs> they're not my fucking chairs, and I'm an asshole. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get everything out of this I can, brother. 
Um, so he's like, hey, can I use the I chair? I have this idea. <laughs> like, he said, I've got a cool, I've got a killer idea. Yeah, like, yeah, use whatever chairs you need to, man. All good. So I go up to Al, I'm like, hey, they may use the chairs. He's like, that's cool. I'm like, cool. You said it's cool. You have no idea they're about to use 20 fucking chairs. All good. <laughs> so they go out and beat the living shit out of each other. It um, is a killer match. It's like it's 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 a it's a it's on our comp of best of I yeah. think. This is um this is the match too where I think halfway through I was like, dude, I'm gonna go back and give him our dates because we had a year worth of dates mm-hmm. and he, I want him on whatever show we can get him on, and I I think you agreed, mm-hmm. right? I also just loved him as a person. Like, <laughs> Joey was fun, man. Joey, um, god damn, Joey was cool because I remember like uh. I remember talking with him and I was just hanging out and it's like just talking with just a normal dude, you know, a lot of times I don't really connect with wrestlers, but I was just talking to him and I remember like fucking Felix coming up and he said, Hey man, I got a question. Uh, and it was something about the territories. And I remember Joey just kind of like, like, like kind of laughing and hanging his head and going territories. Like kind of like, who the fuck is this guy with his thumb? And I remember we both just kind of walked off laughing, but like, like Joe, Joey was an awesome person to work with, just an awesome personality, man. And he, and then and this it, match was killer. It, and I mean, this is the part where, like Steve, Steve killed himself in this match. Oh yeah. I mean, Steve broke his fucking back in, uh, in this match. Um, you know, so you know, I don't know where else to go with that other than the the effort was fucking incredible. Yeah. We got exactly what we needed out of Steve. I mean, we kind of bagged on him before, but this is where, you know, it's like the the kid came home with all A's on his report card. Yeah. He fucking shaved the dog last week, but God damn it. Now he's got all A's, you know? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. This was a great match and he came out looking like a million bucks and people were, people were just, people were gushing about it. Um, so this was also when I went to pay Joey, he was like, Hey man, we, we went through a lot of chairs. Are you you sure you're cool? I go, Oh yeah. Wrestle circus ran those chairs. (laughs) And he's like, what? Wrestle circus. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a carny motherfucker. And I paid him his bill. (laughs) So, I mean, nothing could have possibly followed this. We're, we're, whatever we put in this next spot is fucked. There's no way it can be a good match. Oh, but wait, (laughs) Oops. <laughs> <laughs> um, man. So, Thunder Rosa versus, versus Kylie, Kylie Ray. This is a fucking banger. Dude. This is a fucking banger match. So didn't I say, um, didn't I say Fade to Black 4 was maybe my favorite show? Yeah. I think, I think maybe this might. This, this is, this is in my like top three. Like I said, this, this, this card is just nuts. Yeah. And yeah. So like after that, like the crowd is just, they're, they're just that taste for blood has just got people feverish. They're just going nuts still. And then we throw this out. And I think, you know, you know, if you know Kylie, you know Kylie. And if you know Thunder, you know Thunder. But this match was next level it, fucking phenomenal. Um, Kylie is so naturally talented. And Thunder Rosa is going to push a pace and an intensity, whether you want to or not. Yeah. And those two things combining here was just fucking magic. Yeah, and especially af- after a match like like Steve and Janela, where they fucking literally were killing each other with chairs, you know, to to be able to come out and just have a wrestling match that this is a point where the crowd goes down. Yeah, <laughs> in any other fucking show, any other fucking match, the crowd takes a dip to get ready for the main event. That did not happen here. No, 
these these guys no everybody was exhausted from start to finish people were just amped amped yeah. amped amped it was like high on the ekg you know but this match was phenomenal this this was <clears throat> and it just epitomized like this weird new wave of things that we were kind of embracing as well kylie didn't stick around of course because she went on to do some other stuff but thunder became really to me she i remember you know thunder coming to me around this time and base basically being like i want to be the inspired girl and so just to give you an idea of kylie ray and how fast this happened i believe this is in a span of four appearances for her with us over five of our shows right mm -hmm. she has gone from being in the introduced new talent match to being someone that is now back in chicago as a name kind of coming back in yeah that's wild when you really think about how fast that happened. Yeah, absolutely. But man, this was this was a match that I I remember watching and just being like, I can't believe this is happening in this company. Like, I mean, but this whole shit, this whole show was just like bam, 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 bam. You know, it just it was just relentless. Um, the next match was a match that I I put together because we didn't know what we were gonna do with Albert on this on this card. I think there were ideas about names we wanted to bring in but i think at the time it was also kind of cost prohibitive and at the same time i really i really i thought we could i think we did carry the card and then launch into this and and the crowd responded really huge to this um i wanted to do something with davy i wanted to do something that also got a new talent over in zach taylor who had been working his ass off since the last time we saw him in the orphans. Um, and of course, Zach was also in um, super academia. Yep. He was somebody that was a protege of uh, ACHs yeah. and uh, Albert had a lot of faith in him. And so the idea was to kind of do this match that I think otherwise you might've seen in ACW, believe it or not. I think, yeah. I think, you know, Albert often wanted to do things that elevated people that built people, but also gave him opportunities to work with people that he loved and really wanted. It, this was basically just an, Albert kind of dream match, you know, he wanted to work with Davey. He loves Davey. I think, um, I think at this point too, the writing was on the wall that Albert was bound for somewhere else. And, uh, he, he was kind of trying to get some bucket list stuff out of the way and work with people that he really loved just kind of one last time, maybe. Yeah. And, Albert and, and Davey was a good match essentially. And I wanted to give it to him. I didn't know if he would go for this deal. So when I, it was pitched and he said, fuck yeah, I was relieved, but I thought Davey and Albert is cool. And it's really ironic because Albert and Davey was the very first main event that you pitched me for the very first card yep. of inspire pro. You wanted that to be the main event of the very first show that we ran at the Marquesa. And I said, no, it needs to be something different. Here we get to kind of harken back to the three-way format that we did where we minted a champion. Albert is defending his champion, which is a huge deal. But also he gets to kind of throw his protege into the mix. And all three guys just fucking step up. And Zach even gets some pops, man. Zach, Zach shines here. Yeah. And this is a great match. This this did this did the job, right? Yeah. It established a new star. It this is again it this is another domino from the the show, you know, the change the day of the show. Yeah. The last time we were there at Fade to Black, right? Um, that now we have to kind of scramble for challengers. Yeah. I mean it's you you have to kind of build this stuff underneath and churn underneath and, and be ready and it's it's not like 
turning a sports car. You know, it's like turning an ocean liner. You know, yeah. So we're we're catching that stuff up. But this, you know, we built the wave, and you know what they they got to the crest of the wave and they rode it perfect. Yeah, it it's just. It it was it was an incredibly uh, well put together match. A lot of great ideas. Um, it put Davey in an interesting position. If he wanted to come back and do something, we could play off of that. This was also history building stuff, you know, stuff that we could kind of lean on if we wanted to. But it was just an in, an impeccably wrestled match. Zach looked great. Just this whole card from start to finish is just relentless. It just goes and goes and goes at you. And I remember afterward, a lot of the buzz was, oh, my God, that was like the best Inspire card I've ever seen. I saw a lot of that on social. And it was just, I just couldn't, we, it, there was just no denying that when we're in that space, we are at our best. We are at, a, at our peak. I don't, I don't think we found an, a, a synergy with another space like we have with AFS. Uh, I'm sad that we're not back there. I wish we could run out of it every fucking week, you know? Um, In a dream world, we'd be doing TV tapings there weekly. But, um, yeah, man. This was a fun... This was was a great one. Let's call a night on this one, man. There's really nowhere to go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, man. Hey, thanks for joining us, guys. We, uh, We hope you enjoyed this edition and we will see you again next week as we continue on with our last jaunt through AFS cinema. There are quite a few twists and turns. I think somebody recently mentioned that they, I guess they perceive Stroud as being the main villain of the show. And they thought (laughs) they asked like, who's, who's your villain after that? And I said, there were no villains. There was only just, you know, we were Ahab chasing the whale that was the venue, you know? And, it's really just about how we fit into whatever space we were able to conjure up. But this, the next spate of shows to me was just such a high note. It's weird to put that way. Cause once there's no villain, like look how smooth and, and really so some of our, our most creative stuff starts happening, you know? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, uh-huh. thanks for joining us. See you here next week. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.